Greetings, everybody. It's a great blessing for me to come and bring you the gospel of God's grace. Today, we are going to continue to speak from Psalms 103, and I'm also going to bring in Titus a little bit. And this is going to be in preparation for next week's message, where I'm going to talk about prayer and how that works as pertaining to where the Bible says, praying for your leaders. But before I get into any of that, I want to just welcome everybody that has slotted in, those that regularly uh, join our live stream, as well as those that have just joined in for the first time. I want to assure you that the message that I'm going to minister today is all about the kingdom of God. It's, it's about the righteousness of God, talking about the good actions that God has done to bring life and peace and joy to humanity. It is all about the influence of God on the human race to bring forth and manifest his kingdom in this earth. We are part of a kingdom that can never end. We are part of a kingdom that is from everlasting to everlasting, that is not in need of protection, but that protects those that are in it. So as we believe upon God and we find our lives secure in his kingdom, we are sharing in his quality of life. And that is what it is all about. So I want to just tell you that you can relax. You don't have to be out on your guard trying, you know, to think, you know, what have I done right? What have I done wrong? Are my sins going to be exposed? What is going to happen here? No, it's going to, it's only going to be about the kingdom of God. And as you hear the message of his love and goodness and kindness, obviously they will be sometimes some correction that takes place in your heart and things that you feel you need to believe. But this is all about the love and the goodness of God. Let us pray together as we start this service. Father, I want to thank you so much that we can come together and we know that we are standing under the Almighty God, the one who has no beginning, no end, the eternal God Almighty who's come to give his life to us who's come to be good to us and energize us with good works that you have done towards us. Spirit of God, thank you that you will powerfully speak through me today and that people will be deeply encouraged by this message. Thank you, Lord, that I can minister this in a way that it brings understanding. Thank you for guiding me and that I can also know that my ability to speak and communicate your word is influenced by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's all about you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your love that you've expressed towards us. Amen. Today, I am, like I said, I'm going to continue to preach from Psalm 103. And uh, I'm just going to give a little bit of a, a, a wrap up on what we said on the previous two Sundays because one easily forgets what was said. You know, many times in my own messages, I would preach a message and then I would think, if you ask me, what, have I, what did I preach four Sundays ago? I don't know. Uh, I can't tell you for sure what I've preached. And I might remember kind of a title, but what exactly was said, I don't always know. Now, if I who preached the message cannot always remember the sequence of the scriptures and how things were said, uh, I cannot expect from people that are listening to the message to always remember everything. So that makes uh, repetition not a bad thing, that we can go and look at things over and over. 
And I, th I find that as we repeat things, we remember it much better and it sits in our hearts and it forms our lives and how we live every day. Okay, Psalm 103, and what we said in the last three weeks was uh, that the name of the Lord is different than any other names of the gods that there was in the old Egyptian times and Mesopotamian times and so forth. God's name, Jehovah, means the self-existing one, which was contrary to any of the names of the other gods. For the other gods found their names uh, basically just in the things of this world, you know, the God of thunder or the God of utility or things like that. Uh, and it was also believed in Mesopotamian uh, history that the gods was basically made or they came forth from the mix mixing of salt and fresh water and that the universe the the whole universe as we would see space uh, which we don't know where it ends is just water and there were two kinds of water salt water and fresh water and these two waters represented chaos and uh, sexuality and as it came together it formed the gods the names of these gods was then, like I said, you know, it had something to do with nature or power or, or any of those things. But the name of God is holy. The word holy simply means set apart or not in the same category or completely different than the names of the gods of that time. And the name of our God is Jehovah. It means the self-existing one, means it is the uncreated one. He is not of the same substance as the other gods that the people believed there was. And the Jews consequently then also believed that the other gods ain't a god at all. They are not gods at all. There is only one God and that is the God that was never created. When you deal with a God that has never been created, uh, we also dealing with the fact that he needs nothing. He doesn't need servants. He doesn't uh, need life. He doesn't need service. Uh, the gods of the Mesopotamian people, they had all the idols which would represent these gods or, what, or, or which was basically the, repre yeah, the representation of the gods in the earth. And they had to serve them by bringing sacrifices to them and then bring them food and worship and all these kind of things as a service unto them. Where the name God, Jehovah, that the Jews believed in, simply means no beginning, no end, self-existing, meaning that he is not, he can exist without worship. He can exist without service. It is believed, it was believed by the Jews, and it is the truth that God did not create by having man create things for him. He basically just spoke and the power of his word brought things forth. So he is even the creator of all things. Uh, now, when you have to do with such a God, which is not demanding worship, which is not demanding service, as Paul said in Acts, he says, God doesn't live in temples that is built by man's hands. Neither is he worshipped with man's hands as though he needs anything, for he is the one that gives all that is good and life and and made man of one blood out of his goodness the moment you get you've got to do with such a god and you ask yourself the question why is he continually after he created us having something to do with us we cannot but come to the conclusion that he's basically serving us with who he is 
And that is a massive difference than what people traditionally believed about different gods. Sadly, we find that the old Mesopotamian beliefs about the gods and the idols and all those kind of things has been flowing in and mixing into Christianity where we still have this uh, thing that God is high and lifted up and that he, he needs some kind of a worship or some kind of a service. Uh, and if you don't do it, then he is going to destroy you and kill you. But David said here, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Now, the Afrikaans direct translation says, Ek moet die loof. It's, it simply says this way, it says, I must um, bless the Lord with all my soul and everything that is within me. I must bless his, bless his holy name. I must not forget any of, he, of the good deeds that he has done towards me. Now, that must can be seen as a law or it can also be seen as being so overwhelmed with the goodness of God that uh, th that he says, I cannot but praise. I, I just must. <laughs> How can I not? Give? I, I, I can't forget any of his. I must remember it. I, I cannot uh, but remember it. That is who he is. And that's what David has here. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not any of his benefits. Benefits talks, uh, talks about good deeds done. Uh, you know, when I, I look now, I see... Um, you know, in the southern part of America, some of the storms moving in there, uh, you know, in South Africa, they were talking about even in this time now, there's some areas that has got still some droughts, people are struggling and suffering. And then I'm reminded of a few years back when we were in a severe drought. Now here in the Western Cape, drought is over, completely over. Dams are basically close to 100% full. It's it's running to the 90s percent full and it is just green and lush and it, it just rains. It is so beautiful. Um, but in these good times, you know, as I think back on the times when there was drought and difficult times and bad times and how people would go and basically take the actions of the Babylonian gods, uh, the god of war and the god of um, you know, thunder, Thor, and taking all these different gods and how you how it's amalgamated into Christianity and where they said God is bringing the drought, God is bringing the difficult times, God is trying to teach us. We find that David says, man, remember all his benefits. What To what benefit is it if God kills and destroys and, uh, you know, do all those kind of things it's not beneficial. When we think of the benefits that there is or the good deeds that God has done, we are reminded of creation. We're reminded of saving Noah. We're reminded of making a promise to Abraham. We're reminded of how God delivered the Jews out of oppression and gave them a promised land. We are mindful of how the Jewish people uh, came and um, gave a uh, uh, the scriptures were given to us, how it was put together, the law and all of that, and how Jesus then came forth from the uh, from Israel, from the Jews, how he died and rose again and gives us the hope of eternal life. So we, we, we're mindful of that. That is what we are mindful 
of. It says here in verse 3, forgets, uh, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Not going to go into that again. Who redeems your life from destruction and crowns your life with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfy your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like that of the eagles. We spoke last time about that. It means that we rise up and soar up by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not, it, 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 and, and He strengthens us. He empowers us. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. And here I want to just pick it up again. God executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. So this verse, in order for you to experience the judgment of God, you have to be oppressed. Let me read it again. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. That means the oppressed will be judged. The judgment of God will come on the oppressed. Now that might sound like, man, they're already oppressed. They don't need the judgment of God. If that comes to your mind, it, it is simply because, and it did come to my mind many times, that man, an oppressed person doesn't need the judgment of God to come upon him. Uh, it's because of a wrong understanding of what the judgment of God is. The judgment of God towards the oppressed is delivering and setting people free. That is what the judgment of God is. The judgment of God is that He, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God Himself in the heavens, uh, Elohim, was in the heavens and then created the earth and made man and then promised man eternal life. That is basically saying, here am I, God, the self-existing one who has been from everlasting to everlasting. I'm enjoying a life that none of these other gods that is made by man or myths there is, uh, enjoys, no being enjoys what I have. And I have now created humans and I've brought, a, a pulled a chair closer and I'm inviting them to sit with me inside my quality of life and I want to engulf them with who and what I am so that they can find me who and what I am and isn't that absolutely beautiful God has not chosen the mighty angels neither the the cherubim or some uh, some of these uh, holy beings to be the beings in whom God would express the fullness of his grace in the ages to come Ephesians says that God has made us for the purpose that in the ages to come he might demonstrate the greatness of his grace and his mercy and his kindness and who he is in us. That means that God is put on display inside us. What a blessing to be the people through whom God can do that. And that is not accessed by the works of the law or anything we do. It is something that has come our way, something that we can do nothing about. All we can do is believe and accept it. And that is a verse that I want to get to here. I don't have my Afrikaans translation. I've put it now somewhere. But the Afrikaans translation, um, the, the direct translation says, let me see if I've got it here. No, I don't. But it basically says that the goodness of God rises over those that fear his name. The, the, the fearing of the name there means has respect for him. Thank you so much. I want to just read it to you. And um, for those of you that understand a little bit of Afrikaans here, you will enjoy this. Um, I want to read this. 
it says here, and this is a passage that says, as high as the heaven is above the earth, so is his love on those that uh, that love him or that fear his name. The, the King James says that fear his name. We so many times just want to think of that fear. We think, yes, the love of God is towards those that fear him. And then that fear immediately hits our heart and say, ah, oh, you see, there it is. There's the law. There's that old thing again where it is about man and what he must do. I want to read it to you in this. This is a direct translation into the Afrikaans from the Hebrew. It says, I'm going to read in Afrikaans and try and translate directly. Want so hoog as wat die jimmel is boor die aarde. It says, for as high as what the heaven is above the earth, so troon sy liefde uit oor die wat vir hom ontsag het. That's how the love of God towers out above those who has got respect for him. That is what it means. That fear is respect. Why do we respect God? We respect God based on Psalm 103 here uh, and what David said. We respect him for because of how humble he is. We don't respect God because if we don't, he's going to kill us. No, I've got respect for God because he came to serve us. I've got respect for God because he's the most humble being that there is. Uh, we, we have respect for God for he has served us with his very life. We have respect for God for he's mindful that we are but dust. And th therefore he gives his everlasting loving kindness as the source from where we can live. We, we, we've got respect for God because when he was beaten and his beard was torn out, he didn't say anything, but he willfully entered into death itself entering into the most darkest place you can ever imagine in the hope that the Father would raise him from the dead so that he can be Lord over us and govern our lives by his resurrection power so that we can live forever in him. That is the respect. We've got respect for God because when the when humans came and they lived in such a terrible state wherein they caused floods and destruction in the earth, he saved Noah and he and he and he brought him forth uh, you know out of that turmoil. He promised Abraham the promise that all nations shall be blessed. We've got a respect for Jesus because he came to the temple and he cleansed out the temple and says my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations but you've made it a den of robbers and thieves and that talks about money and stealing from other nations which was also supposed to be part of what was going on in the temple and the message of the Messiah and so forth we find a God that reaches out to us and that's why we have respect for him and that is where verse 11 comes in. It says, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great, that word great is, is, is actually in the Afrikaans translated as that's how towering, that's how the mercy towers over them that has got respect for him. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. Like a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. As a father pities his children. I want to read to you what that pity means. That word pity is the word bowels that are the seat of compassion. Bowels 
the seat of compassion, or it refers to the very womb of Yahweh, the very womb. A womb is a place where life comes from, a birthplace from where a child is born, where life is created and from where it is then given. So it says here, as a father pities his children, as a father pities children. Now you might say, how can a father, you know, a father cannot have a womb. This cannot mean this. Now let me explain to you how I see this. You know, one day my, Eliana and I, we went to visit some friends that was just um, close. Can you just switch that off? I forgot to switch it off. Um, we went to visit some friends just down the, down the road and, um, my son, my two sons were cycling in front of the car. They were just like half a street block ahead of us. And Henry, he just started to, I don't know what he tried, but he tried to go as fast as possible on that BMX. And there was a stop street as well. And, and, and he was just going flat out. And he was giving it everything he's got. And as he pulled that bike to and fro as he was going, the front wheel, I think, lift off. And he just like fell at that speed right on his head. He just like with all that speed and momentum fell right on the top of his head, went over, over the handlebars on a flat piece of road. He was, I mean, he was a bit shocked. He got up. I said, my son, are you okay? And he was okay. Um, well, he was dizzy for about an hour after that, but he's, he's hundred percent fine. But when that happened, I found something inside me, the, the, the place in me from where life comes, move. Because there was something in me that says he needs life. I was thinking that he would be unconscious. What my mind rushes to those things. I'll get him in the, I'll pray for him. That's the first thing I'll do. I'll pray and say, thank you, Jesus, for healing him. If he doesn't wake up right there by a miracle, I'll, put, I'll race to the hospital and take him there. The, the, the womb of the father started to move. It, 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 it becomes active to give life. And this is what it says here. As a father pities his children, so the Lord, Jehovah, the self-existing one, pities them that has got respect for him. In other words, what it talks about, talks about an action wherein life is given. So God comes and he humbly serves the world. Those who humbly receives what he gives, we find that over their lives, God comes as a father pities his children. The womb of Yahweh it moves. That which caused all of creation to be, the source from where all life can flow and flows comes into action to help you. That is what David says there. Now I want to look at it in Titus as well. Maybe I just, I think I'll continue here a little bit more and then go over to Titus because you want to make this practical into everyday life. Because when God looks at us and he doesn't deal with us according to our transgressions, church, when he doesn't deal with us according to our iniquities and all those kind of things, it doesn't just mean that he just doesn't punish us. He deals with us according to his compassion, which is the force of life from where he gives life. So when he sees death in, in you, 
He doesn't just say, well, I see death in him and I'm not going to further punish him. He's just killing himself. No, he says, I offer you life from my very being. And as you put your trust and reliance in me, I will change you into a person which can experience the quality of God's life. That's what eternal life means. Eternal life to me, first of all, means the first, first most important thing of eternal life talks about how long it exists. It is from everlasting to everlasting. Okay. It is forever. That's eternal life. And then the life is defined as the kind or quality of life that is possessed by God. We find the kind and the quality of life that is possessed by God seen in Jesus and in how he treated people, how he dealt with the sinners, how he dealt with the self-righteous, how and who he was as a person putting his reliance upon God, not trying to protect his own life, but knowing that God has got his life in his hands and that his life is safe in the hands of God. We will share in that quality of life, which is a life of peace and joy which we see expressed in Jesus when he was in the storm and he was going over that lake of Galilee, he was asleep. Yet the storm was raging, but he was asleep. What did Jesus believe? Jesus believed that the storm cannot sink him and that he will definitely get to the other side. Nothing to worry about. And then the disciples said, and if you read one of the encounters that it says, don't you care that we perish? And then Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief. The unbelief is to think that God doesn't pity and God doesn't care. And he calmed the storm and took them to the other side. Now, it wasn't even needed for Jesus to calm the storm to take them to the other side. They would have, been, they would have gone to the other side anyway. What I try to say is that the quality of life that's possessed by Jesus is then also given to us. That is what he's talking about here, removing our transgressions and all those kind of things. He's actually talking about taking away by the power of the resurrection those things that harms our lives, giving us peace and joy and righteousness in our lives. You know, this morning I, I was in the Afrikaans service that we have for, um, for our church here that's on Zoom. Um, I mentioned and I said, if things harm your life, Call out to God and let him help you to be free from those things. Uh, and, and I know, and I'm sorry for sounding, I said, I'm just hammering on one thing all the time, but I feel I need to say this, this is relevant. I see it needed by many people all the time, even people that regularly listen to these messages. Um, if you find that, you are harmed emotionally by what you see in the news. Ask God to deliver you from the news. He can. Because when he sees you watching the news and turmoil rises in your heart, anxiety rises in your heart, fear and doubt rise in your heart, the womb of Yahweh moves to give birth to a life that is free from that. And all you have to do is have respect for what's going on in the heart of God as pertaining to delivering you from what happens in your heart where you feel everything is going to waste. Everything is being destroyed. 
What is the future of our children? What's the future of, of us when we are old? And all those kind of things. When those things bother you, what you do, and, and this is what I have done in my life several times. You know, this happened several times in my life where I just say, God, you need to deliver me from what brings fear and anxiety to my life. And I want to honor you for I know that inside you, you are pitying me when you see me going through this. And that pitying me is not to just say, oh, so sorry. No, the very part of God from where creation came forth when he spoke and said, let it be, starts, comes into action to help you and deliver you. And let us not keep God inside the, um, inside a place where he, where he wants to help us and he's got that feeling inside him that says, man, I, I, I want to help you. Keeping God at the place of, uh, um, I don't want to say anxiety because God cannot be anxious, but it is a feeling inside him where he says, I now need to help them. Let us not keep God in that feeling. Uh, all the time by our stress that we go through without calling out on him to help us in the time and the trouble of our distress. The Lord pities us as a father pities his children. Listen to what it says here um, and how he pities us. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows our design. He knows that we are just dust. And now he explains what the dust is like. For the wind, uh, um, for a man's days is as the grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that has respect for the compassion that is in the heart of God, the, the, the pain in the heart of God when he sees us and what we're going through. And his righteousness is unto the children's children. I would call sin this, knowing that God has got an anguish in his heart when he sees you in pain and you're not calling out on him, delivering him from his anguish in helping you. As we are going through difficult times in this world, as we are going through things that, I mean, in, in these last times, we, I could just see how a lot of people are going through difficult times. As we go through that, as we feel anxiety in our heart about politics, about our country, about the future of our children, about what will be, about um, liberalism taking over the world where all kinds of things just becomes good and right, where people can decide if they are male or female, if people can marry animals, people can marry dolls, those kind of things. It, it is like absolutely crazy. We look at the world and we think, where is this world going to go to? And we find anguish in our heart or we find fear in our heart. And as we have fear in our heart, God's womb, the womb of Yahweh moves. He wants to help us. And then we not respecting that the creator of the human race, the creator of all things feel like that. And he wants to help us and we're not allowing him to help us. 
Allow God to help you, to set you free from the fear and anxiety. Uh, allow God to help you, in, and I'm talking about South Africans, not to have certain political leaders have the, 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 the power to create certain emotions in your heart, direct your thoughts, direct your life. Allow God to help you because he sits with all the help and he wants to help. It's, it is the way you would feel if your child has cut himself with a, and it's a deep wound and he can bleed out and he's, he, he doesn't want, and you're in the house and you lock, or he's in the house and you locked out and you can through the window see how he's dying, but he's refusing to open the door for you to help him. It's basically torturing the one that loves you. The respect we have for God is on account of the great love that he has for us. And that is how these things work. God has come. You know, it is possible. And this is what I say. Pray to God. Say, God, I thank you that you deliver him from these things. And just start to read the Psalms, man. Go and read Psalm 23. Do this. Go and read Psalm whenever you think, man, I want to just get into fear and anxiety. I want to tell you at that moment, the womb of Yahweh moves with life-giving force. Grab a hold of that and say, God, I know that and I honor you and I respect you for that. And I want to just say, I welcome your kingdom, your peace into my heart. Thank you for renewing my way of thinking. I put something on Facebook and, and um, this, I, I, know, I knew this would cause a bit of a stir, but I felt a need to put this up. And the, I, the reason why I put it up was to bring some comfort to people. And this is what I basically said. I said, uh, because I, I say this now because there are many of you that are not following me on Facebook and so forth that watch the YouTube. I said, I'm not saying that one shouldn't bear arms. You know, I've got absolutely no issue with that, the, the, uh, having a gun. But then I said, with that said, with that said, now I want to ask the following question. What role did swords play in the protecting of the kingdom of God as well as the advancing of the kingdom of God and living your life out as a Christian in the early church? And it caused a massive thing in many people's hearts. And But I'm, I can say the majority of folk uh, just said none. <laughs> it, it had no role. And the point that I want to make is this. The kingdom of God doesn't need our protection. The kingdom of God is God's rule protecting us. If we are at a place where we think we need to protect the kingdom of God, your mind is not at a place where it protects you and you are not safe. You are at a place where everything is given over to your own works. What gives me peace of mind in South Africa, what gives me peace of mind in this world when it comes to business and all those kind of things. You know, when you when your kids go out and they um, they need to get jobs and step out into the uh, grown-up world there's always this thing well are they going to make it i don't know why it is like that it's like 
you thought that you'll make it when you went out into the world and you trusted God, believed, and God provided for you. And God has provided for billions upon billions upon billions of people that has gone through that. But when your kids go into that, it's like, I don't know what he's going to do. Is he, where is he going to find a job? Is he, is he going to find a job? And you, you're in that uncertain time. But when you are in that uncertain time and you have those feelings in your heart, you can know the womb of Yahweh. The compassion of Yahweh is there to bring you freedom. And what I then did and what I do is I just say, thank you, Lord. I know that you bring freedom in this area. And I can say when those things even just became thoughts in my mind, it was there was an over overwhelming peace. Because I knew that the kingdom from where I am provided for doesn't need my provision. It doesn't need my protection. It's protecting me. Glory to God. You cannot protect the kingdom of God. How do you protect God? If you say that you can protect the kingdom of God or protect God, you've made yourself the God of God. No, God is the one that protects you. The beautiful thing is, is that the kingdom of God, as it expanded until now, is on account of the work of the Holy Spirit. Man, through their actions and their swords and their military power, tried to even break down and destroy the kingdom of God. And they couldn't. They couldn't. We so many times feel that we need, forget arms and those kind of things, just in our own life, we need that we think we need to stand up for God, otherwise God is going to be wiped from the face of the earth. It's not how it works. God stood up for man. And the, the, the way God stood up for man in the resurrection of Jesus is of such a sort that it brings a life in us that stands strong with the power of God in all humility and all kindness and all love. And that is what he's come to bring to us. Now, I want to quickly go to Titus. And this is just going to be an intro to next week where I'm going to talk about the passage in Timothy where it says, pray for your leaders so that you may be holy. Live in peace and be holy. Just a little hint there. Praying for your leaders cannot make you holy. The blood of Jesus makes you holy. But it says, pray for your leaders so that you might be holy. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Titus 3. Put them in mind. It says, put, put them in mind. To be subject, he says here now, teach the church, to be subject to principalities and powers. This is now leaders. To obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man. That's amazing. Talks about leaders here. And he basically says, if there are leaders over you, don't speak evil of them. Don't speak evil of them. If Saul Ramaphosa is the president, don't speak evil of the president. Help me, Lord. If Nelson Mandela was president back then, don't speak evil of him. If Trump is president, don't speak evil of him. If Biden is running, don't speak evil of him. 
This is what it says. The Bible says here, teach the church this. So I'm teaching this. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no fighter, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And he's specifically talking about leaders here over you. And these people were chopping the heads off the church. This is the kind of people they were. They, they, I mean, our, our leaders now are Sunday school teachers compared to these people. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, and deceived. Now, I'm not, when I say this, this is the piece I want to get to, get into Psalm 103. He says, he's now talking about leaders that are evil, that does bad things. He says, speak evil of no man. That's what he says. Speak evil of no man. Because let me tell you, if you're at the point where you speak evil of all people, your heart is in so much turmoil, you're not in the peace of God anymore. You are now in the news media controlling your life. You're not remembering, like David said in Psalm 103, the one that has forgiven all iniquity for and all those things. Keeping in mind the one whose womb moves that pities us as a father pities his own children, knowing that we don't have the ability to do things by our own works, knowing that our days is like just a few days. He's then making available his eternal loving kindness as the source from where we live. He says, I know man is mortal. He cannot live forever. But I now make what is eternal, which is my loving kindness, available for them to live from. That's what he says. And that's how we will live forever. Because forever we will draw on the loving kindness of God, which is forever. And that is why we will live forever. Now he says here, speak evil of no man. Now listen to this. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient and deceived, serving different lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So he's talking about people that are over them that are driven by different lusts, different pleasures, living in malice, envy and hatred and hating one another. That's who their leaders were. He says, but don't even speak evil of them because you were also there for when you were not under the walking under the power of God. Then he goes on. But after that, the kindness and the love of our Savior towards men appeared, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. He says, we were like these people over us. We were like them. So let's not speak evil of them, knowing that we were as evil as what they were. But when the grace of God appeared unto us, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but by the washing of regeneration or the new creation, the power of the resurrection, we were made new by the Holy Spirit which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, <laughs> that is a mouthful. I've come to the end of this service, but I 
I think this speaks for itself, self-evident. Let us remember the good that God has. You, as you're watching this, God loves you. He's merciful towards you. He's kind towards you. The womb of Yahweh, whenever you are in distress about your money, about your children, about your business, about your job, about your country, when you feel that distress, the womb of Yahweh moves to give birth to life in that area. Let's not lock him out. Let's say, God, yes, I feel this, but I call upon you and I want your quality of life in this area. And as we open up, we find God giving birth to that newness, that regeneration that takes place. As we now are in righteousness, let us not think bad about any person. He says, well, he says, don't speak bad about anyone. And the context is, Leaders over you that are full of malice, evil, and all those kind of things. Can you see how God's kingdom, according to Paul, is not threatened by these leaders? He says to the church, be kind to them. He didn't say, wash them off the face of the earth, otherwise the kingdom of God will not exist and will be gone. He doesn't say that. Paul comes with a, a surety of the kingdom of God and how strong it stands that he says, you can be kind to these folks. Because that's how you were anyway. And then without your works of righteousness, as we understood and accepted the gospel of Jesus, we were made new by the grace of God. And that is what God's got for all of us. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you that you love us. Thank you for your gospel. Your word sets me free. Lord, as I preach this, I hear you speaking in me and through me, to me and to others. I humbly accept your word, Lord. And thank you for the humble God that you are in serving us and giving us your life. Thank you to everyone that watches is renewed in their minds, opens the door and experiences the birth of life in every area of their lives. Amen and amen. Thank you so much that I could come today and just serve you. Uh, make sure that you watch the Facebook. I put messages up every day of the week, Monday to Friday. That is very encouraging and uh, it's teaching orientated, but simple. And I trust that that will also bless you in this week to come. God bless.